Hello and welcome to Daft Souls, the podcast that you want to bring home to meet your parents. It's episode number 47 and today I'm joined by Mr. Quentin Smith. Hello everybody. And the sniggering Mr. Christopher Bratt. I'd, I'll just let that slide, mainly because I want to point out first that we're doing this podcast while standing up, which is unprecedented for me. And I don't know how I feel about it. Okay, first off, we're going to have to fire you for ruining the illusion. <laughs> uh, we'll sit in comfy armchairs. You know how I feel about it, Chris? I feel confident that it produces a better podcast. Oh, wow. Because... Yeah. No, the thing is, I work in, a, in an office full of people who use standing desks, and you're talking Smart exactly people. like them. Smart they're, people. They're, oh, it's, it's a hard sell. We're better than you. It's that. We're it's dynamic. Scientists have proven that you become 4% more dynamic and 3% uh, more forward-thinking. And probably you just get really tired. Tired. You do get tired. <laughs> Honestly, I think the reason to do it is because uh, because you realise you're tired, then you want to end the podcast after about an hour, which is how long podcasts should be. Mm-hmm. What have we been playing, everybody? Nice. Well, what have you been playing? You've actually let's start off by talking a little bit about uh, what you've been playing at Gamescom. Yeah. So I just got back last week, and so first of all, I th- I feel like we we almost got into this conversation earlier, um, <laughs> but I just came back from Gamescom feeling really quite happy about games mm. like I, it's strange because I, I imagine um, people will have heard the kind of horror stories of how many just how many people go to that show I think it was like 340,000 consumers uh, yeah yeah Cons- just running around consuming everything yes and like getting to the show floor after the press day took around like 20 minutes and it was a very very warm week in Germany and all that but I loved it like I loved walking past the Assassin's Creed Syndicate stand a game that I really don't care much about and seeing people like sitting down in the queue because the queue was that long and just mm. having a lovely time and chatting with their friends and conversely, I think that's bullshit. Being excited, <laughs> but no, not 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 the, the, the obviously no, the, know, the, the queue itself, the the game even. I'm not that pumped about. No, no, no. But no, the yeah. the enthusiasm for that game uh, and just being part of a show and just going to see uh, new stuff because I, of course, it's something we sometimes take for granted, and it's just nice to be reminded that like as well as you know. Gaming is You do for... get to see the nicer side of it, I think. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. And I think I, I was thinking about this a lot yesterday because we've just got back. And this is like kind of like. West Side Stories. I was going to just say a bad word. A bad word? Well, you're not going to say a bad word. Okay. I was It was going to be great. It was going to be witty and well timed, but I couldn't say it because it's It's because it's bad. Yeah. Anyway, we just got back from Gen Con and you've been to Gamescom. Happened about the same time. Ours was board games. Chris had a really good zing before the podcast, which is asking whether Gen Con stands for generic. Right. Only because I just looked at the press pass and it's got like. I was trying to figure out which fantasy characters they were from and they are just. Generic. generic. Well, Fantasy the thing characters. is, unlike video games, within board games, there are so many dragons that yeah. I couldn't tell you where any given dragon is from. No one yeah. knows where the dragons start or end. They just sort of continue. There's a lot of them. Sometimes um, you are the dragon. But yeah, one of the things I loved when I was at Gen-, Gen Con was there were so many different things to do. And there were some people queuing up for things, but it was actually quite rare. The only things people queued up for was when they want, people wanted to get their hands on like an exclusive board game thing that you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> or if you want to get your hands on an actual copy of a board game which isn't going to be available for like six months. An incredibly embarrassing thing that happened on the last day was when Matt and I were incredibly tired but we needed review copies to take over from the publishers so we went up to like the biggest booth we can it's Asmodee I think and we walked up saying can we can we can you just let us into the shop and he's like yeah of course and then we walked into the shop and I went 
essentially paraphrasing can we just take whatever we want and he was like yeah sure of course because he, he doesn't know who we are and we do sell an awful lot of copies of board games but it was this hilarious thing of I was holding the camera I think so I was even pointing at games with that one and then yeah, Matt would and take I it I was picking them up uh, until you, one, you had like one. a three foot stack of did games any, was there anyone else in the shop at this time many and people how did they feel about you I don't know but they probably felt awful <laughs> like imagine if you're just shopping for a car and a man walks in and goes the, the shop's being robbed <laughs> it was oh, you were just taking stuff you see that sounds awful when you say it sounds That's exactly like exactly I know it's what happened, <laughs> but it's just because of the fact that, you know, unlike with video games where if you want to play a game, they could just wire you a Steam code from the other mm-hmm. side of the world. Yeah. You have to seize the opportunity when you're physically sure. in America to say, can we take these things now? <laughs> Otherwise, like, we're never going to be able to get them off you. And the no. first year we went to Gen Con, the answer to can we take these things was always, no, no, no you can't, <laughs> you can't have any of these. This year, it was a bit different. But it is true that uh, Gen Con sort of reinvigorated that like love of games. I got the same as the same thing. Like I was walking through the show floor on like the last day, literally just kind of. What was the last day or Thursday? I was just trying to find something fun to to record on the show floor because we were kind of wrapping up, Mm. and I stumbled into. The next World of Warcraft expansion announcement. Uh, once again, I, I'm kind of out like of that you, game now. You went through a door at random. No, it was like it was it was happening at the Blizzard booth, which is like a big booth. I'm imagining, I'm imagining some sort of Arrested Development <laughs> thing where you, you <laughs> accidentally walk through some doors and you're on this stage. <laughs> I'm presenting it. Yeah. No, it was it was great though. Like just see, like that week actually, I'd obviously read that like well subscriber numbers are down and generally felt pretty pessimistic about the game. And it was nice to just be reminded that, yeah, that's true, but look at how many people are here that have come to a, a, a like a reveal that they can't even hear because the the acoustics in that room are all over the place. And they were just having the time of their life and going crazy. They saw the word, um, like the fact that Demon Hunters could double jump raised probably a bigger cheer than the reveal itself. I flip, I mean, personally, I, I flip my table over here. I flipped the table. <laughs> when you saw the double jump. Yeah, I but just... it has, Okay, I'm not even joking here. It has changed everything. Like, think, I read something. Think about what the arena's going to be like oh, now. actually, yeah. No, I, yeah. Oh, man. Did, did I invent this, or did I read that demons, the new, the new demon hunters, the new class, can yeah. clip through the world? Uh, it's a bug. I, I'm not sure. Maybe that is tied into the, I think I just the fact that they No, I probably either misread something or fell asleep and dreamed it. <laughs> uh, one of those two things happened. I, yeah. I think it will be this, because the character's never been able to double jump, and when you look at how the World of Warcraft has been kind of put together over the years so they can now jump over like low walls and stuff and like yeah and, and just be able to like particularly in, in areas where you can't ha- you can't have flying mounts which is you know, mm. a significant portion of the game now like being able to do that will will do weird stuff it'll change PvP quite a lot so it's one of those really tiny details that everyone who isn't into WoW will just be like Right, well, it's like fundamental. Like it's like Everyone you've designed a game and then added a feature at the end of it and be like, "Well, will that be all right?" And you're like, "I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> like the it, okay. So Matt and I are not into World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Is there anything interesting happening in the new expansion that would make us go out? Well? Because World of Warcraft, for all it being old, mm-hmm. um, it's been interesting seeing games like Destiny make mistakes and then go on the sly. Oh, we'll just do it the way World of yeah. Warcraft does it. So I think um, this expansion has kind of cemented the idea for me that that WoW is WoW isn't. Um, it, it kind of operates very differently now. Uh, you, you've, instead of kind of a slow decline of numbers that, that's happened over the last few expansions... It's slow decline of numbers as in players? Yes, uh, subscribers. Right. Um, it's now uh, more of a kind of... They want spikes when an expansion launches, and I, I feel like... And they're happy with that? Yeah. Well, I feel like that they... They're not necessarily happy with it, but I think but that's they know. Well, I think, they're, I think, I think yeah. they're pretty pretty happy because I know from people that uh, Hearthstone makes significantly more money now than World of yeah. Warcraft. So it's not like they've transitioned between projects, sure. and that's cool. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, it's not cool because if you play card games like I do, Hearthstone is. <laughs> oh God, don't stop. Anyway, don't stop. so uh, yeah, um, I mean, actually, to be honest, I actually like Hearthstone. I just, I, I wish um, that I. All the games got the same kind of intention. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I, but, I get them, but, but so yeah, so they're they're looking now to create an expansion that which forces people back I, to the game, and makes them play it for like yeah. a week. I honestly don't think that's what they they do want. I think I think they just the, the game is is quite they want old you to now. come back home and to stay. Yes, yeah, to never leave. That's them always again. that's but always they know gonna it's never going to happen. Exactly. So they're, they're just doing back for one night. They're doing stuff that, <laughs> wow. that would have been unthinkable um, years they're ago. Dressing like. in these clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're taking Listen, this analogy. You're right. not going to take this seriously, right? <laughs> so, what's the expansion called? Uh, it's called Legion. It's about the Burning Legion. I'm, um, I'm sorry, we're not taking the Burning Legion seriously. Yeah, well, that's that's fine. I was hoping it would have a sillier name than that. I yeah, you really were. It's quite. Yeah, no, This is like the, uh, a throwback to the old days where we were both at the video gamer and everyone used to take the mick out of yeah. you for liking games, <laughs> which was just awful. No, and I, I hated. That. I <laughs> promise you, Chris, we're going to take this very seriously. Okay, so tell, <laughs> tell me more about the Burning Legion. So. Um, uh, the Burning Legion I, I, isn't that exciting for me yet. To be honest, they're, they're going back to some old ground that they. This is the whole. A lot of what they've announced just tells me that they're they're kind of trying to bring people like me back for a few weeks and hope that they can figure out how to make me stay. So Burning Legion isn't <laughs> isn't new. It's, it's Did they tell you this when you wandered onto the stage? <laughs> <laughs> Brace you, come you. Back. Chris. We're so glad you're here. Like the Illidan's coming back, which was like a, a major character in expansion, but he yeah, was I Illidan. he was almost he wasn't killed off, but he was like you very much felt that was the end of his storyline. But they bring him back because they know he's a crowd well, pleaser. It's World of Warcraft and Warcraft like characters die, but then they just come back. Well, because they, magic. They've honestly like in terms of raids and like having bad guys, they're they're running thin. Like it's it's really Wait, difficult. They're not inventing them all the time. Uh, kind of. So the last expansion was an alternate timeline. That's where we got to. They've got they're in comic book territory. Wow. Yeah. And this one is bringing a character from the alternate timeline back into the real world, but also, yeah, it's all over the place. It very, it just feels like really they're, <laughs> they're they're really stretching, and there's just a, like little things, like uh, every every character is going to have access to what you would usually consider a legendary weapon, which used to be like the rarest of the rare weapons. If you saw someone holding that in your server, you, he was a celebrity or she was mm. a celebrity, and it was it was cool. And now everyone now, now every literally <laughs> everyone has the most important weapons in the game, like. If you're familiar with Warcraft, like Frostmourne, which is like the Lich King's sword, yeah, yeah. that like, how it, are they doing that uh, thematically? Like, well, so it sounds like there will be an interesting kind of quest line attached to that and a story that they want to tell. But I, I feel like they're losing something really important by if everyone's got a legendary well, I mean, weapon, obviously, I mean, things a legendary weapon. I mean, aren't they going to introduce super legendary? I mean. Yeah, I'll, but I don't know. We don't actually know how that works yet. Double legendary gold. Uh, I for him, for her. It's mostly for him. Mostly for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a bit of that, and like I, I, I am a little bit skeptical of that I, but I will go back and play it at the expansion. I know I will just to see how they do yeah, it. Yeah, see, this is and I'll, the... I'll be part of the spike, but I will leave after two weeks. No, my friend um, who I played some Destiny with uh, before I got tired of Destiny was uh, really. Excited about World of Warcraft for the similar reason. I was surprised because mm-hmm. I assumed World of Warcraft had lost most people, but people like yourself turns out still have a little yeah little hankering for the for the world. I did back world. in um, for you've now got that song stuck in my head. Uh, I, I did because it's in. spelled W O W. I know it's good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but when they redid all of the, there was a big revamp. I remember when they Cataclysm. Yeah, yeah. when right. they redid all of the early early areas and stuff. Mm-hmm. I went back to have a look at it. Um, I did because I was doing an article for The Escapist and it was one of the worst things I've ever written and the editor very kindly helped me to turn it into something they could publish. <laughs> but then they took two years to pay me, so... Uh, <laughs> Swings around about it. It's all good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I was... Again, I was like, oh, this is fun, but then I just lost interest. Yeah. I always now with MMOs, it's, it's something like... 
I guess it's like I've fired those neurons in my brain. Exactly. And I can never go back for very long now because it just doesn't work on me anymore. It's it's why I haven't touched Destiny, I think, because I, I feel like I've... I know they're not exactly the same, but I, I feel like I've done that, that kind of game now yeah. a lot. Honestly, I quit Destiny because they didn't announce something like this. I was expecting the yeah. sort of year one expansion mm. to be exciting, and when the Taken King just looked like exactly the same kind of bullshit. I I'm like, I like Destiny a lot, and I'm looking forward to going back to Destiny but I'm not sure when that will be. Yeah, it right, might be exactly. Year. And I was expecting them... I mean, Blizzard clearly know what they're doing and when they announce an expansion, it's enough to bring you back. Yeah. Uh, not this kind of, like, once every... I just months. think Bungie are really slow. They're very finickety about what they do and they want everything to be perfect, but it just means that when something like this, where you're like, come on, give us stuff, they're like, oh, well, we've... We've drawn one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> We've well, got the the description for one of these guys. Yeah, the pithy uh, one sentence funny description. I love those, by the way. It's that perfect. It's that perfectionism. Can that it, sometimes untapped perfectionism. Blizzard have that problem. Like uh, they they turn around uh, maybe a little bit quicker than that, but they they've never achieved like an annual expansion, one, and their patches have been renowned for being too far apart. And I, I just it's, it's I've, I've realised there's something I do need to express to anyone from Bungie who's listening. Uh, sorry, I really apologise for taking this away from what <laughs> you're saying. Uh, Bungie, get the person who writes the description for weapons and equipment to write the entire script. Really? Yeah, it's it's not even. I, I don't even. How do you feel about this uh, this Dinklage stuff? Because he's been he's not coming back. We talked about this a bit last. Oh, right, time. Okay, it's so. fine. I don't I don't really care. I actually hope that we. I mean, if it's going to be fucking Nolan North. Um, you know, as as known for being Nolan North in all video games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I man. just hope it's really. Cheesy. I have to redress this because a friend of mine who d- uh, does um, uh, voice acting for a living uh, got bummed out when we made fun of Nolan North last episode because apparently he has a huge range, but no one ever asks for it because he, he's most recognisable. He is very as he is very talented. I, I Drake. went to a kind of a, a little live Q and A thing he did uh, early in the year, and the guy's clearly is as you said has a huge range. But they um, just want him to do that right. The best part about that live event is that he got progressively more drunk throughout the evening and then like <laughs> swinging around on a dancing pole. Wow. Really? So I, I had a great night. I mean, if you're a, <laughs> what's great is that if you're a voice actor, you're not held to the same standards as like a business leader. Exactly, right? Yeah. So I'm going to get You can pissed. have fun, yeah. Well, that's quite sad then. It's. I mean, I, I thought. I hope that we didn't. It seemed like we were firing our eye at Nolan North because he's clearly a very nice man. It's just a bit frustrating that so many games hire him to do the Nolan North voice. It's true. Yep. It just snaps you out of it. It's like you're watching television and like that classic thing you get used to get more in British TV when British TV was this tiny bubble where every time you're watching anything you're like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah. There was an oh, era, it's that guy. The, I think the PS2 um, when Liquid Snake uh, being Cam Clark Cam Clark was in every video game going, <laughs> I'm Cam Clark! And it was, <laughs> it was insane. Before we get off cons, I do want to also mention briefly The International. Because mm. uh, that also happened yeah. last yeah. week. I'm, unfortunately, I missed it. I, I know, I've, I've seen the winner, I've seen the ridiculous prize pool, but I haven't really been able to... I, to got, I got dragged into it because I, I just thought I would watch for a second. And I've only played like maybe 100 hours of Dota, which is going to sound ridiculous if you haven't played Dota. <laughs> yeah, but it's I, nothing. I, I know, nothing. I know, I know, I know. How many hours a year? Uh, I played for about 900 before I decided that I should probably stop. Oh, right. I didn't even go four figures, man. That would have been yeah. you know, a milestone. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I turned it on because my friends were tweeting about it. This is the uh, Dota 2 um, big Valve. Yeah, annual tournament. Valve throw money at it, although... Uh, as Pip, uh, Philip Award, Darth Souls member, was pointing out to me, like they they increased the prize pool by selling essentially glorified, very fancy sticker books in yeah. game, and they're amazing. I, I bought a compendium last year and felt like I got my money's worth. Right, really good about it. Uh, yeah, except you know what is it for every compendium book that you buy, there's like a quarter of it to the prize pool, which seems laughably stingy yeah. to me, considering it's not like Valve aren't making ha- money hand over fist. No, in the it's game actually anyway. it's actually Valve just being responsible because if they didn't like. 
these people are going to earn so much money when they win. But why not donate it more to the people who came, like, not just first, but also... Well, they probably put a lot of the proceeds that they make from selling the little funny digital books towards the incredibly ostentatious events. Well, yes, let's be real. Uh, It was insane. League of Legends is the bigger game with the bigger, uh, you know, like, uh, championship and, and everything. It is... You know, unquestionably the bigger game than Dota 2, but what's bizarre is that I only find myself talking about the international and thinking about the international yeah. because of how much money Valve throw yeah. at that event. And, yeah. But it, it is nice to see the spectacle, I think. Um, sure, I well, mean, I, I am happy because I play Dota 2, not yeah. League of Legends, but still, it's like, let's, yeah. let's, it's, it's important for the community as a whole to remember. Lots should probably have a bigger discussion around. Yeah. I actually um, asked uh, one of the, the guys from Heroes of the Storm about how he thought about the international and. I got an amazing response. So I was like, so obviously, yeah, the, the prize pool's just huge. And, you know, they, they have had so much success with the compendiums. There's something you're thinking about. And he said, uh, right now, we're just focusing on making the best game that we can, which was basically, the- nope! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just like, that's the most PR-friendly yeah. answer. Right yeah. now, we're just talking about this. Right now, I'm going to answer a different question to <laughs> yeah. what you said. Exactly. And the one fun thing I'd like to say about conventions mm-hmm. is, like, I've been thinking about this a lot. And about how one of the great things about Gen Con was there were people queuing, mostly of people just sitting and playing and enjoying things then and yeah. there. And people were still having a great time. And the thing is, I always find that video game conventions, you do have these huge queues. And people are having a nice time in the queue, as you see. And it's nice to see people like having fun yeah, at these events of friends and getting excited. Yeah. But I can't help but feel that whole process of having every year, having thousands of kids queuing for six, seven hours just to play a game for five minutes essentially to play an advert is really yeah. not helping culture at all because I think not, that's a, a yeah. part of the whole hype thing that's not yeah like I said that's not the, the bit that I got excited about I got no, excited I know, about I know. The, the, seeing their enthusiasm even if yeah I know what you mean it, it does I remember god I went to uh, to um, uh, Gamescom thank you um, <laughs> like something like eight years ago but right. um even then, it was funny to because you when you go wander on the floor as press and you can see all the booths and you play whatever game you want and you know you, you do this every day you play preview builds every day so you become inured to it and then when they let the public in and the public are going oh my god it's this video it's it's Billy Shooter Four yeah. and then you look at them and you go God Billy Shooter Four makes people really happy yeah that's that that's kind of how I thought like Assassin's Creed Syndicate if you'd asked me five minutes before I would have been said something really knobbish. Yeah. Like, like, not knobbish. No, it's, it's accurate to how like you feel I, if you're not. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that sometimes like I, I have enjoyed Assassin's Creed games in the past. Mm. I've still got Black Flag that I want to play just because bloody boats, mate. Sure. Um, and I'm going to play that one day. Sea of Thieves, though. When that comes out, hopefully that will be the pirate game that we all want. <sighs> Precisely. I don't, but anyway, it's like, I think it's great, but at the same time, I kind of can't help but wonder if like the people who really then start like flipping tables and throwing firebombs about like bugs in Assassin's Creed Unity, it's yeah. that thing of like if you have to queue, I just can't work out what that does to, to people psychologically of, of convincing themselves that they are okay with spending seven hours queuing to play something five minutes. I, they have to decide I, that this game is amazing, yeah, and then if it's not, it's out. I, 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 yeah, I, I'd find it very weird to to have that proven true because just because I can't I, the, the lovely people that are sitting down with their groups of friends and just like chatting and like oh, joking yeah, yeah. I, I, the, I came away thinking those are the people that we uh, do this job for not the people that sometimes dominate the discussion on the internet so no, I, hope there is, I hope there isn't a kind of and that's definitely true as well there. although I find we were talking about this earlier as well I find that Gamescom is really interesting because there is always if you're looking in the right places, this really kind of warming core of nice mm-hmm. stuff to be seen there that reminds you why the industry is great. Yeah. 
but it's besieged by either side by it's awful things. Similarly, <laughs> it's so weird to me seeing how much... Uh, I, I'm aware esports e- aren't a thing yet, but it's, it's so bizarre watching the international and seeing people cheering for teams and seeing such professional commentators, and that really fills me with love for, for games and for esports. Yeah. And then seeing the racism in the fucking the, chat yeah. channel yeah. of, like, like... Sorry, to, yeah. to, to give people... like Twitch chat, like, is, yeah. is, it was it was a Twitch chat, yeah, I think, but it was it was YouTube chat based on the yeah, live YouTube yeah. stream. But it was just the most terrifying anti-Chinese sentiment that I've that I've thing, ever seen. Yeah. I imagine though, if you you know if you get the, the similar thing with, with sports, if you watch a game of football and you look at the crowd and you're like, this is amazing, look how passionate people are. If there was a live feed next to that of just people sitting at home, yeah. I imagine it would be kind of controlled. It's just by... the internet. Let's just not use the internet. Yeah. Let's write our reviews on. Pieces of paper, <laughs> attach them to birds, throw the birds as hard as we can. Whoa. It's funny you say that because actually the rest of this episode of Darth Souls is written on a napkin. <laughs> so I'm just going to hold this Attached close. To a, a pigeon somewhere. That's, that's lovely. Okay. I, don't think, I don't think it's working. I can do... Oh no, oh, no it's a pigeon an audio thing, isn't it? Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll just have to keep going with it. We'll just have to go. But yeah, no, I think it's good. It's just funny how like you have that fun at Gamescom, but then you've also got this this... Unbelievable endless sea of total business twats. Well, that's the thing. I actually, <laughs> I don't think most people see that. The reason no, we don't. see it is because uh, when we went for video game a couple of years ago, which by the way, I remember looking at like some of my Gamescom prep was like looking at stuff I'd done in the past. It was following you around while she lunged. That was weird. <laughs> um, but like, the, it was good though. Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> but the 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 thing is that it was literally because where we had a little booth set up for Wi-Fi and like where we could all uh, meet, and that was in. Just a weird part of Gamescom that's completely cool yeah. enough from the rest of it. Yeah. And it's full of stands selling mobile user acquisition and distribution so and, and, and stuff that I we're not really connected to. confused by this when you were talking about it in the kitchen. Are you upset that there is an amount of business that has to be done relating to the, no, the I, making of No, it's games. just they're arseholes. Yeah, yeah, it was the difference yeah. between going, going like... I was on the show floor and I was surrounded by these people and gamers were being celebrated um, like for, you know... Despite the conversation you just had, it was like people were there because they loved games. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. And everyone was excited about that. And you go into this it's, strange business area, okay. and suddenly your mobile users, which are acquired. It's, and I was like, ooh. I mean, Matt, <laughs> Matt and I saw a bunch of that at GDC, whereby you're looking through the leaflet, and then it's like you'll be looking through talks that people are giving. And yeah. at 7 p.m., or sorry, at 2 p.m. in this room, it might be the makers of 80 Days talking about how they turned a text adventure into a board game. And then at 3 p.m., it'll be... Uh, the acquisition of uh, rich user data yeah. in a in an overcrowded so, marketplace. So my understanding of mobile user acquisition, by the way, is fundamentally it stems from so when you drive around the car <laughs> and you grab people and you put them in the car. No, it's not. It's it not. is. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Chris says wanting to believe. <laughs> it's, it stems from the fact that the app store is flooded with. Shy every day, yeah, yeah. And, and Apple don't curate it at yeah, all. Yeah, and so the only way to even give yourself a chance is to get a certain amount of what uh, the App Store will consider users to kind of bump yourself up so people can even see you in the first place. Yeah. And so I understand how this term has come about. I just hate it. I hate being in one room where everyone's gamers, and in the next room your users. And I, I those aren't those don't. Well, that's why the games come. I find it amazing that you are like it's besieged by both sides, and the fact that like 
you, you're either in the business area, which is quiet and sane and full of assholes, or when the weekend starts and the, the, the consumers are coming, the consumers burrow up through the lino and just fill the hall, consuming everything. <laughs> like the Zerg. Um, then, yeah, yeah the, the, that's equally kind of hellish. Yeah, you're surrounded by probably nice people, but just way too many. Way too many people, <laughs> and it's way too intense. So it's yeah. this thing of being like, you, you're reminded of what's good about games, but also... It's kind of also hell on either side. I mean, this is why I want to go to PAX, because PAX seems to be so much more focused mm. on uh, on just playing stuff. Matt, in your, in your Vice article today, you made the really interesting point that the nice thing about Gen Con is because it doesn't have so much marketing, because people just want to buy the games that are there, because they've been flown from China while the actual shipment's still on the boat going over the ocean, you can buy the games early and then you can play them. And it's not about playing something for five minutes. It's not about sitting for yeah. five hours to then watch an advert. It's about just... Experiencing play You've with got your a whole game, you can but, go and play it. <laughs> but then I hear about packs, and I hear about you know like the indie mega booth, and then you can actually play like early builds or you know the fact that they have analog game tournaments or the like the retro area, right? Yeah, Where you can just cool go stuff. and play on Game Boys. There is a lot of cool stuff. Uh, okay, well, God, this is going to sound awful. I'm going to sound like oh no, 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 say it. So uh, this is a safe space. Just despite you. the fact that Rezd is is owned by the people that own Eurogamer. I, who, who who happened to employ you, right? That's correct. But yeah. Rez is nice. Like, I couldn't give a shit about that. I was saying that anyway. Rez, Rez um, had a kind of similar vibe for me in which it was it was unusual to, to see people just go just for the joy of playing games and chatting for a bit. Not not because they want to, to queue to get a kind of an early look at something. Yeah. There were a few exceptions. Yeah. But, um, you get, I think you just get a nicer atmosphere. Mm. And I think it... I don't know. The UK is a bit, a bit rubbish for those kind of it shows. Is, the yeah. UK, I, we found out after we started Shut Up and Sit Down, but the UK lags behind every other, like, developed rich nation in the world as far as playing board games goes. Uh, we just don't, like, buy these games. We don't like inviting our friends over. Do you know over. why? Like, what's the uh, my theory is that we're a society that's, like... It's, 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 we socialise around alcohol, and we're not very outgoing. We are, in fact, the least outgoing in terms of, like, friendships and crowds that I've, that I've seen in my life. So I think board games, which are an intrinsically social hobby, are uh, not necessarily going to find the best, most fertile ground here. Hmm. That's my theory. But who knows? It could also be, like, the weather. I don't <laughs> I really don't know. The weather would no, because the weather in in Britain is perfect for staying. It is no, yeah, it can't be the weather. Yeah. Shit. I should say that whilst I was swinging around, my fists in all directions, going fucking Gamescom business bastards. The reason that they're all quite awful is because um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're not awful. No, no, no. I the just, reason they I are thought I should qualify that. Yeah. The reason that the majority of them seem to be awful is not that they're just in suits and enjoy making money. It's the fact that despite all of the effort that's made in the rest of the industry to try and make it a bit more diverse place in the business side of things, it's all fat 40-year-old white mm. dudes openly talking about how they saw some great tits or they're getting booth babes so all, this, all the ways that the industry is getting better when you look on the business side of things nothing's yeah. changed it hasn't made a dent none it's... of us have an issue with with games being a business at, at least at, well that's an interesting sentence the amount of times like, it's like you you just, know, you're hung over like, you're walking through and you just overhear these people talking and you just go who the fuck are you but this like... is <laughs> this is the weird thing because I feel like it's only us that have experienced that because if you if you went to Gamescom normally you'd never see them no you never they, would they wouldn't ever go on the show floor they don't want to. I, I've heard a lot of uh, independent developers uh, talk about having very, like, quote, interesting meetings with publishers because that's that's when. <laughs> interesting. Because ordinarily, if you work for like a you know a AAA dev studio, then you're never exposed to that. Mm. But then when like, for example, you're part of a, a hypothetical five man team who I won't name. Okay. And then you've got a really popular indie game, and then you have to meet with Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, 
you get you suddenly are dropped into the deep end and you're exposed to these. And to- I guess you never actually hear stories about these people because they're having meetings with them and it'd be unprofessional. Whereas if you're just like me and Brad and you just happen to be walking by and hearing <laughs> them loudly saying awful things, you can say whatever the hell you like. I feel like we're being too vague to produce good audio no, radio true. right it's now. It's true. It's but true. Rest assured, viewer, that. Viewer, <laughs> see the underbelly of Gamescom. Yes. The hobby we quite like. Well, I quite the hobby like you year. like has like a sort of Chinatown uh, with Jack Nicholson style CD mm-hmm. thing. Hopefully, that was an interesting chat about conventions. But now convention season is pretty much over. We'll hopefully not be talking about that for a while. Yeah. So, what was your favourite game at Gamescom? Oh man, for me it was actually uh, I. So this is something I wanted to ask you guys actually from an outside point of view. Did you think the Gamescom was quite a, a quiet show for announcements? So obviously, Sony weren't there. I'm not um, gonna lie. I was actually quite busy doing other stuff, okay, so, so I didn't look at any. Well, I get the impression that a lot of people think it was a bit of a dull Gamescom. Good. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's true because I, I saw Shit. I saw some Shit. stuff that I I really liked, like uh, the new Paradox game that was announced. It's called Oh uh, Glorious, and it, it it looks exactly like it, so. It's from the the lead developer of Crusader Kings Two, which is one of my favorite. What's games. his name? Is it Johan? I don't actually know his name. I I want to say it's Johan. Yeah, yeah. No, I used that's to work like Chris Spaff Central. Isn't yeah, it, really. I uh, yeah, and I, it was it, it looks <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I got no, away no, with fine. saying that somehow. No, that's you absolutely didn't. fine. What can you anyway? I I'm really into Crusader Kings Two. Man. <laughs> can I tell you a story about Johan, which is when I was working at Paradox briefly as part of their marketing mm-hmm. team, which was one of the most awesome jobs I've ever had. Cool. Um, I was working at my desk and Johan comes over and I'm going to try and do a kind of I'm going to do it into the mic with he walks by my desk making this kind of yeah, yeah. noise Cause he's, and then I look up and he's just kind of thinking he looks totally lost in thought and he never ends up in the marketing department and I go like hey and he's like hey I'm in a Swedish I am thinking of random events for Crusader Kings 2 oh my god what a man and then he goes and wanders <laughs> off and it was just like he was having the best work like, day I, I don't know what I, I expected it, uh, of this guy um, but he was just like <laughs> he looks like a wiser like slightly older he chap he has glasses and, he's exactly, and short white or yeah, blonder share yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's exactly what I should have expected of course he was going to be a wise man like he made Crusader Kings too. like it was brilliant anyway Stellarius is is cool because I've never really cared about um, so there's a certain subgenre of strategy games like uh, 4x strategy um, mm-hmm often in space as this one is and yeah we were talking about this when you you were coming back because mm-hmm. you were like oh they've, they've they've worked out they're trying to work out a way to make the end game of 4X yeah. games and that's that's the most exciting thing for me other than the, the people that are behind it just because but usually when you play uh, a space 4X game you'll get to so like, let's, let's let's be let's get this on the line so the, the, the 4X stand for uh, extremely uh, with extra stuff it's, it's extremely expand, explore with extra stuff like Extremely um, expanding. I don't know. With extra <laughs> is it? No, wait, no, I've got it. It stands for explore, expand, expand. Zebra's a Z, isn't it? And Zebra's Zebra's. Zebra's. That's it. Yeah, it's it's those massive freaking it's civilization strategy games. Yeah, you've but seen Civilization by the by the end of a game of Civilization, and uh, actually this is something we've talked about before, Quinn. Uh, it kind of feels like usually you're in a position where you're just too powerful that. Yeah. You can't lose the game anymore. Or and you it, discover a civilization which is huge and you go, oh, and yeah. then they squish you, you. you. You very rarely, in my experience, have an end game uh, where it's it's neck and neck all the way and, and you feel like you could lose or win. Yeah, any it lacks... Um, which at the beginning, you totally feel like. Sure. Um, well, it, the term for it is like rubber banding. It's where um, you... It, Mario Kart has it, right? Mm-hmm. So Mario Kart will make sure people in the last place get pulled towards first and the person who's going first yes. goes slower. Yeah, yeah. Civilization games need that. Yeah, and... Um, it's difficult to do because they also rely on people being exterminated. So if it was constantly <laughs> rubber banding too much, it would just be like, why are we living in this endless world with lots of different and types of people? we've discovered why game design is hard. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and actually, Endless Legend, which uh, was widely regarded as being a fantastic 4X game, and I really enjoyed it, I found that I would say it's a real problem. It does yeah. have the same um, issue, yeah. Of either being like, you get to the end of the game and you're just so dominant. And yet the start of the game or, is so interesting and oh, inviting. So and like, so I, I'm, I'm after, particularly with that part of strategy games, I'm after a game that manages to kind of uh, keep you going the whole way through. And the thing that Solaris is doing, when you get to the, the end is game... Solaris, and, you say? Yes. Okay. And you're, you're uh, it's kind of... You've explored the map. You've met the other uh, alien nations out there, and they're all kind of they're kind of generated in a weird way. So you, when you start, you won't have a clue what you're going to encounter, and it's um, you know there's it does have that feeling of exploration to start with. But by the end of it, your research itself becomes a risk, but it's also a complete necessity for you to stay current. You've got to have the most cutting edge technology, otherwise. But you say it's you a risk. Outpaced. Yeah. So uh, the example they gave, which sounds amazing, is that. You might want to um, research a kind of uh, super AI, a computer AI program. I see, I see where this is going. <laughs> and they, they, obviously the example they gave was that if that goes wrong, if you haven't got the, the scientist to back it up, or you know, it's going to be a dice roll in the end of the day, like you could end up creating um, some kind of AI that, that doesn't race. want to yeah, listen to you. And there will be synthetics spread through every nation out there, likely, uh, by this stage in the game, or, or some kind of... Um, you know, uh, powerful kind of, of robots, of, yeah, yeah, yeah ro- like a robotic element to each nation. We've all seen films, exactly, and you could end up creating a faction that dwarfs everyone else just because they they're like, everywhere. Yeah, and so wait, so what happens then if you have one of these catastrophic tech failures? Like, what is the con- like? Do, do you then sort of reduce in size? So, so in that example, you will have just created a huge enemy for yourself, and everyone else still left on the map. Okay, um, and but you still have the same technology, so you're still at that end game phase well right? you will have missed out on whatever you were trying to research at that point so yeah of course yeah you will still be powerful but you will have created a, another nation okay so the idea that it just becomes risk reward as you advance up the sure and apparently a lot of this later uh, research uh, takes this idea on board because you are researching such advanced stuff things far beyond what you could have imagined at the beginning so of the so this idea when you're when you're nearing the end of the race, somebody starts trying to cut off the back of your legs. It's the blue shell, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is, basically. And I just, I don't know, it's, it just sounds incredibly interesting. Obviously, there are a bunch of ways in which that could um, end up ruining the game experience in some I, way. Well, I mean, that's a silly thing to like to but talk we, about, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, we, these people are trying something exciting, but let's talk about how it might not work. We know it might not work. Of course, but. yeah. So, But I just like the trying it, because uh, so far, I've never really cared about 4X games... Um, that much because of the end game and it's kind of it's always pushed me away from them and I really love strategy games I really love uh, paradox games and they they rightly said that games like Crusader Kings 2 Europa Universalis has the exact same problem you'll get to a certain stage if you played the game a few times like probably after a hundred turns or something you'll be in a situation where you're already more powerful than any other nation out there tell you what though Crusader Kings 2 does interestingly have a similar thing in place whereby you grow your empire you grow your empire and people resent you for it and people resent you and then one of your sons takes it and the other son takes the other half and your empire split in half mm-hmm. it's that idea of um, it keeps the game at that sweet point in Civ where it, like we were talking about this right yeah. games of Civ have one good war yeah. but if you can generate it so you radically shift what's happening so you can have another good war you know a war against the robots who've taken over your empire sure. I think that's cool yeah it just sounds it just sounds really exciting what's the full name? Uh, Solaris. It's Solaris. Solaris. Stellaris. Oh, Stellaris. Yes, Good. Sorry, I yeah. thought yeah. The it was originally called Project Augustus uh, before now, and people have been talking about it for a while, but 
This is this was the reveal. Oh man, Project Augustus would be a pretty cool name for a forex game. You know yeah. that's how Project Gotham got its name. Project, really? Was Project, the... Project Gotham was just. I didn't know that. It was just titled Project Gotham, and then when they've been working on it for so long, they're like, you know what? That name's pretty cool. Yeah. Project, Project Augustus is, yeah. is there. I think Project Gotham Racing. Yeah, which was I fucking that was the last racing game that I played seriously. But I will say that uh, Paradox also had my favorite announcement at a Gamescom, which was I was waiting for this the first expansion for City Skylines. Uh, so I spoke to uh, Colossal Order whilst I was out there, and all like, seven of them. I came away so happy that they are just as kind of warm-hearted and genuine as I'd hope they'd be. Like yeah. they, they, they honestly, they are really quite pleased that their modern community is running away with their own game, and I love that. Like one of the, yeah. I interviewed um, uh, Carolina from uh, Colossal Order, and one of my favorite things that she said was that one that, that in terms of the DLC they're making, or they're not making DLC, they're making expansions. Let's not get into that terminology. Sure. You understand what I mean by yeah, that. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons they don't want to do little bits of DLC, other than the fact that they don't think that is the best way uh, for them to sell stuff to their community, is that the modders will do it better. And they're cool with that. Like, No one says that. No one will be like, yeah, well, uh, we, we can't really compete with that. So even, <laughs> even with uh, After Dark, which is the first expansion they've just yeah. announced, like, people have been trying to make a uh, day-night cycle uh, already. And in fact, there are a couple of mods out there which, which kind of almost get really? there but the tools aren't quite right for them to do it so I should I'll, I'll quickly explain for the people at home um, City Skylines being just the surprise smash hit of mm-hmm. last year whereby Paradox released SimCity that was it pretty better much, it, it pretty much it, just came in and just did a cool surf move on the coattails of the fact that yeah. that SimCity had dropped the ball so hard and not and refused to pick it up mm-hmm. I mean yeah and I know that you have a soft spot for SimCity I really before, liked SimCity but the thing about no no no, no I mean the SimCity the one that I really liked right, the yeah. one that was yeah, yeah, but um, uh, but Skylines is just you play it and it's just inarguably rock solid. It's yeah. it, everything is so pleasant. It's so nice watching your city grow. So the first expansion they've announced, mm-hmm. uh, which is what night night times. Yeah, so it brings a, a day night cycle, but yeah. that is a free update. Which I think the reason they did that is because they already know the mods have already done. Wait, that. no, there's a. I thought it was paid deals. Yeah, no, it is. But the actual the day night cycle itself yes. is a free update that everyone will get. So the thing that then you then get with the DLC is, is that the the night time will feel different if you yes. go after dark. So, so there's leisure, um, kind of uh, a certain part of tourism that you can, you exactly. can go after. No, you can you can uh, rezone leisure out on the town. Do you with the lads. you play exactly. uh, City Skylines? Yes. Okay. So yeah. the thing that you discover quite early on, which is City Skylines, is basically a transport game. Mm-hmm. Which well, is, if you look at their history, they yeah, did exactly. Cities in Motion, which it was a transport game. Cities in Motion sounds like a very dramatic name for a game that is about buses. <laughs> um, but yeah. no, it was it was satisfying <laughs> it really buses. Um, but yeah, then so then City Skylines is really just a game about making sure the roads work, which yeah. is so engaging. Mm-hmm. But then now, so the way the people home should understand I'm gesturing wildly with my hands because I'm so excited about cars and roads because um, you have your city and you have designated areas that obviously get very busy like offices and they're always busy Mm -hmm. but now it's got a day night cycle so now at night radically different areas are going to become busy one of the things they they actually said is that weirdly it's kind of solved one of the game's main issues at the moment which is that once you create a traffic jam in City Skylines, it yeah it never goes away and if you don't (laughs) notice it to start with you're, you're never actually sure where it began but the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that the traffic changes when you go into nighttime means that you can you actually can watch, watch it, it and see what happens again. Oh, that's um, awesome. Which is great. I, 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 so you can basically stay up all night watching the city <laughs> just to work out where the traffic jam so happens. So it's dawn morning. and like, you're, you know, I really want to play this you know, game. You know, like, oh, the you city. would lose your mind. I think you're, 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 in all, you're into all that like sort of organisational admin stuff. I say <laughs> you're into it. It's not like a hobby. But I just, uh, my brain gravitates towards trying to fix things. Yeah. Yeah. You know that like the City Skylines community is one of the things I'm most excited about after Dark 
not the the CD nighttime uh, element of the city. The fact that crime's going to rise. The fact yeah, we that know have have stuff. Cop- bus lanes. They fucking love bus lanes. Like they're so excited. <laughs> the bus lanes going in. And you know what I am as well. That's, Too right. That's and right. cycle lanes, right? Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say bicycling no. is now a thing. Can meet Brighton too. finally. It's going to be great. Well, there's also yeah, like now at this point, getting like gently political because yeah. What, what, where was I reading it? Like there was a nice article a while back on um the. On basically how SimCity is like political mm-hmm. because in any in modeling any city yep. you inherently bring your own biases and your own ideas so like for example uh, if let's say City Skylines has bus lanes and the bus lanes turn out to be like effective which obviously they are in some countries but wouldn't be in for example Dallas sure. but then you are bringing to yourself an idea of what that population like how willing that population is to use bikes which is already yeah. a political yeah. mm-hmm. statement. Well, I've, I've said it so many times, and I think it's it's a shame that like I don't know, I don't think it was a coincidence. I really don't. But one of the things that I really loved about SimCity was the the whole small city thing meant that you couldn't make one big utopia. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you, you had to make space. a nation. And I think it, I was thinking at that point a lot about living in London and what it meant to live in a city mm. and this idea of there there are truths to living in a city of things like somebody has to live ne- next to the rubbish dump. Rubbish dump. Mm-hmm. Who's it going to be? Yeah. Like, well, in the the like, that, you, know. you don't necessarily have to do that. You Precisely. Can, you can, and I'm not saying that games should, have, should do that. Mm. But what I loved was this thing about being like, you do that. You have the truth of like, yeah, you do show your own political biases in the type of place that you make. But then I went and made something else, yeah. and I realised it was like, well, I need to have like these people can be really intelligent, <laughs> but then these people, I want them to do coal mining, so I don't make them too smart, otherwise they'll all leave to live where. People okay, are. actually, there is a bit of that in City Skylines too. In yeah, fact. yeah, um, uh, yeah. Intelligence have... kind of well, is extremely we, linked to the... God. Can we stop calling it intelligence? Call it education. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. No, right. That's what I meant. I'm just using video games. It's fine. Those. You just both sound like Nazis. I know. Yeah. I was going to say that. It's literally. Oh God. I didn't mean it like that. But no, it's, it's this sense of like trying to trying to make a society, and it just I don't know. I just thought it was really dark, and this feeling of like if you want a society to function, then you have to be accept that some so, people have to live next to the. Dump. One of the interesting things in Skylines is that obviously I I assume you want pin, like peak services for everything, right? So I, I built um uh, you know like hospitals and schools, and mm-hmm. I very carefully reinvested all my money, and like you know theoretically I played well. There were traffic jams, but fuck them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then the thing is I was looking at the achievements and I was like I must be getting all the achievements and it's like no some of the achievements are for things like having a thousand square foot of like a low quality industrial zone so you look at that or like, or like having um, a high enough crime rate so it actually encourages you to play with the model they've given you mm-hmm. and been like hey build a city where crime's really high and that yeah. it, it turns out is almost as interesting, interesting as quote unquote playing well because sure. a, a yeah. city with shit like that. I, I think um, we, uh, currently when I, was, when I was talking to her said that the they kind of see the game being more about self-expression than actually mm. winning a game. There isn't. There, you can't win City Skylines um, unless you've set your own want. objective, which is which is cool. getting which is chasing all the achievements and making different kinds of cities. I've already decided that my next city I just want to be like on one side of it because uh, the the new DLC is going to add like beachfront properties. Yes, yep. So I want a load of beachfront bars, and then just out back, I want just oil, yeah. just endless oil, oh, God, so yeah, I can no. build Dubai. God, I feel really. I still feel really awful about sounding like a Nazi. I've got to stop doing. It was great. I, I zinged you, and it struck I'm you, glad you in the heart. I'm glad it did. It did. I need to sit down. I can't sit down. See, if we were sitting down, none of this would happen. None of this would have ever happened. I, the other thing I would say that I find really interesting is the fact that like City Skylines turned up, and just by being like an acceptably solid version of what SimCity mm-hmm. should have been, just went on to become this wild success. Well, while I mean, SimCity, it's not, I think it's let's it's it's a success for for a for a smaller publisher like well, Paradox, right? It's like oh a, come on, it's a five person studio, is it? Oh sure, and it's a five person yeah. studio making a game that sells one point two million, but like probably I would guess SimCity sold more still. 
But I mean, then again, it, it I don't also, know because I think this whole studio got folded and stuff. I think the reaction was so bad. I mean, no, no, I, I'm sure it was a colossal like. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, like, this is. I don't know. It's complicated. It is complicated. I get that. And I know that they probably had to sell a lot more copies and they may have outsold it in the first place. But it's more the fact that I found it interesting that I remember, I think around E3 after that, or one of the big conferences, uh, EA made a big show of talking about how from now on they were going to be making games in different ways and they were going to be getting the community involved more. Mm -hmm. And it's this thing of, of then actually, from what I can tell, all that meant is they were going to start doing early access stuff and more well, betas. To be and... fair to, to SimCity, I think by the end of its lifespan, it was in a much better shape. Like the So always, obviously the always online stuff, um, they managed to get around that, despite the fact that <laughs> apparently <laughs> that was never going to happen. Like Modding did eventually come into it, although with a few uh, weird restrictions. I think the, the, the final big complaint was the, the plot size never really changed. But like they, they did make the effort, it's just they, they damaged the... Like they damaged SimCity so badly with I just that think launch. especially with like um, I don't know how well this will spread it, um, with the new consoles with the fact that like with stuff like Fallout 4 you're going to be able to play with mods on consoles so, oh City Skylines is coming to the Xbox One by the way um, oh yeah I saw that I imagine they're looking at something similar they wouldn't confirm it but you've got to think like yeah so now now we've got a point where we're getting actual like console games or mainstream machines mm -hmm. using modifications and using user created stuff I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how... Because we've seen, like, EA have talked about it, but not really done a good job of, of actually doing anything about that. But then we saw the whole for all with Bethesda trying to sort of work out how to deal with products and modders. And and it's just this interesting mess how like it seems like lots of smaller, more fluid operations at the moment can create these incredible things just by mm -hmm. allowing the community to get involved. But with big business, it's... It's still a yeah. minefield. I think it's gonna be a really interesting I, few years for that. I think I think you've the important thing there is size. Like they are small enough, City Skylines Cross Order are small enough that they can look at a successful mod and go, We should try and put this into our game. Whereas I think with SimCity, the team will have been so big that turning uh, uh, like during development must be so difficult because everything has to be planned so far in ahead so that everyone's working. I I am I remember talking to uh to Platonic, which are the guys that um kind of split away from Rare and they never I don't know how kind of what kind of message this was, but they, they they never blamed Microsoft for what happened at Rare. They always blamed the team size. They said we got too big that you couldn't react. You had to everything had to be planned out so far in advance. That and, makes a lot of sense. I and, mean, Rare's games when they were great were great because they just had had such a kind of distilled sense of charm. Mm -hmm. And I guess you can only get that when you have a small when, team. Yeah, when you got a small team in in the same room talking with each other, I, that disappears after. A, a I mean, we point. didn't know it, but so many of like so many of the things of Golden were just in jokes between the team and now mm. there are all these stories about oh the club and all those, all those things they're all just in all in jokes and yeah I guess it defines a lot of it anyway should we do uh, should we do questions should we do um, the game we've been playing a bit oh um, yeah sure we can talk about uh, we can talk about Galaxy yeah we've both been oh, playing right. I've got no idea what you think about it well oh, this could um, be you've got no idea what I think what a comedy of errors this Shall is going to be we have a fight uh, I'm going to tell Probably them how to spell Galaxy first which is G-A-L-A-K hyphen Z yep. which is a stupid name it for is. a game that's quite good so shouldn't <laughs> it be Galaxy Z yeah oh with Galaxy well no because then it doesn't sound like Galaxy I know but Gallic. Yeah, okay, Galaxed. Um, it's from the developers of Skulls of the Shogun, which I recently got because it was free on PS Plus after thinking, I should play Skulls of the Shogun for years. And it's it's good and laugh out loud funny, which I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting. Yeah, it, That's a lovely little RTS, but then the developers of uh, a weird little skeleton-related RTS, uh, sorry, turn-based strategy. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, turn-based strategy have now made a top-down shoot-em-up. Yeah, it's kind of like a top-down shoot-em-up uh, with drifty space controls. It's asteroids the roguelike. 
It is, uh, but it's also not. Um, <laughs> okay. I didn't really think much of it at first, to be honest, because it's kind of a roguelike split up into chapters. And so the idea is it does have a story, but once you've done the story once, you don't have to, you can ignore that. Well, you know, it's have you been through a second time and realised all the story is different? Yeah, no, I mean, it is and it isn't. It's well, sure. You kind of like, the dialogue's a bit different, but it's kind of like fluff. It doesn't uh, really matter that yeah, much. Yeah, the, the, the distinctive thing that you have here as you're floating around shooting bugs and stuff is a very, oh, I wish it was a little stronger than it is, a rapper that's meant to be like you're watching a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. So it does what Hotline Miami 2 does, which is when you pause it, it goes into a very fuzzy thing as if you paused a VHS tape. Okay, yeah. cool. Which is going to confuse kids, because obviously. Because they don't know what that um, is. Yeah, and, but also when you start a level, it brings up a randomised name for the level and the author of the episode as if you're watching a cartoon yeah and lots of little chatter between the pilots of going you know I'll kill you and people going don't kill me Uh, you know what I love the chatter I think the voice acting and a lot of the 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 bits of the voice acting and some of the ideas they had for the voice acting is really good Mm. I love it that when you splat the bugs there's lots of dialogue lots of snippets which are like him, the character going, yeah! And like getting like celebrating because he's killed a bug and then immediately going, oh God! Because it's just like <laughs> splattered all over. Like, oh no, the, oh! And it's just quite consistent soundbite that really makes me laugh. This idea of being like just immediately getting covered in gloop. Um, but yeah, it's annoying that it's not that idea of it being like a kind of cool cartoon. It's, it's, it's a once, like they've clearly set it up, set it up from the start of development to go, it's going to be like a cartoon. And it's nothing like a cartoon. Yeah, really. Also, I mean, like the, the main thing for me is like, it's you know it's harsh, but the art the art direction just isn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. Like the characters um, are really like some of the characters look quite cool. Other characters look like they've kind of been drawn by people who don't really have with faces. Which is funny because Skulls of the Shogun has I love the art, but all those stylized skeletons you know are a lot easier to draw than, yeah. than yeah. faces. Yeah. Some of the faces you just go, oh, this is just bad. But um, <laughs> once you get if you can ignore that, that's fine. Also, it's slightly. It does that thing of like occasionally slows down at quite inopportune moments. Oh, have you downloaded the three gig patch, which fixes that? Uh, We should say something about it that's interesting. What's good? Okay, there's lots of interesting things about it. First of all, the fact that I didn't really like it at first because I thought it was (laughs) Asteroids, the roguelike. And it it does that thing of not introducing you to many of its mechanics for about half an hour because it wants you to ease in. Mm As soon as you get the ability to turn into Ooh, a, I didn't know. I, that, I, I didn't know this was coming, and I found it a really cool surprise. It's a cool surprise, but it's one. I, if I'm going to recommend the game, and I do recommend it, you've got to tell people about it. Okay, go for it. Um, you get the ability to switch your ship into a different form, mm-hmm. and then the game then very gradually starts to become more about that. And at first, you kind of go, "Oh, it's a cool option. I can either have my ship like this, or I can have my ship like this." Then you realise that some. You, you start to get this thing of realising that some enemies you can fight much more effectively in one form than the other. And then you have you start to realise that actually, um, I thought it was quite unremarkable at first as a game, but now I've got about halfway through it in terms of the, the different stages of it. One like, let's stage three. You realise that there's lots of very clever stuff in terms of making snap decisions on what your tactics are based on not just the enemies, but based on your environmental situation. And... You, it all just sort of clicks. You have this very complicated set of controls which allow you to accelerate, uh, go backwards in your ship, or to boost, which works either backwards or forwards, depending on what else you're holding on. Okay. And then you have the ability to hold down a strafe button, which will send you sideways, send you sideways, probably in the direction you were hoping. And then, but then you can also use the boost when you're strafing. So here, <laughs> on this line, right, my bit about um, Galaxy is I like it, but I don't think it's that's strong, and people can download it for free. No, no, it is paid. It's a paid thing, yeah. You can you can buy it, maybe. But the thing for me that's smartest about it, that is the most enjoyable, and this is depressing, is everything that relates to asteroids. 
what I like the most about it is the momentum that your ship builds up. You know, when you when you hit accelerate and then your ship keeps that momentum and will just stay floating, which is really difficult when you're surrounded by objects that, for example, uh, weird spores that you know will strip your shields if you go close to them. Yeah. Or lava that will instantly kill you. And when you're lava trying... Lava in space. In kind of... Did you play um, uh, Pixel Drunk Shooter? I didn't know. Okay, Was instead that... of, yes, lava in space. Okay. Um, That's fine. Most of the levels I'm are... I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Most of the levels are split into two different bits where you're flying through, like, meteor fields mm-hmm. and you have to avoid lots of... You know, it doesn't matter if you crash into them. That's kind of a nice thing. You can bump up everything. It's fun, apart from enemies. But then you basically... The levels that take place within kind of procedurally generated big meteors where you go in, like, caves... Like, you know, going in, like doing a Star Wars or whatever. So this is, this is the most interesting thing to me. It's that um, our enemies are going to come at you. How fast do you want to go? And you go really fast. And then you instantly crash into something awful and, and hurt yourself. That's what I like. I like the game asking me how much momentum I want. And that keeping me safe up till the point that it doesn't. Because so I hit an object. You said it's a roguelike. At the moment, this sounds like a game in which you die and then it's, you just respawn just before No, if you die, you go back to the start of the world. It's, it's got it's, some, okay. some roguelike stuff. No, you go back to the, right at the start of the section. You don't go to the start of the world. The well, the sure, that's thing. what I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of weird in the fact that you you collect money and then you spend money on upgrades. But mm. sometimes you just get upgrades in boxes, which just make your ship immediately better. But then the main thing that keeps it kind of... It does that kind of like slight progress thing if sometimes you find boxes with blueprints. And then blueprints you always keep. And they're just like add another thing that might randomly appear in your shop. It also has this slightly kind of interesting idea that you collect these special currency that um, you can never spend in that run but if you die or if you finish the run and go to the next bit you just get that immediately converted into a lump sum of cash at the start. Oh is that what crash water? See this is the thing I think you're at the point where you haven't quite got it because I, I, if you play it a bit longer sure, sure. there's this thing where it clicks and I had this moment where you start to realise that it's, it's a bit too easy for a bit too long as a game but when mm. you get to the third section you start to come up against stuff which is really dangerous and you start to having to do to the system, because obviously it's got these three different types of aliens. You've got the bug things, you've got the kind of imperial purple ship guys, and then you've got the raiders and yellow ships. And you can see on the edge of the screen, like with these arrows, when stuff is near. So if you've got some really nasty purple things chasing you, and you can see there's some like green or some yellow, then you think, right, fuck this. And you boost off towards them, and you hope that they'll fight each other. Right, okay. So while you can just skim around and either run away and leave them completely, or like pick them all off one at a time. But it becomes incredibly risky, and you start realizing that these things like these bubbles of spores that have EMP, or these lava pockets, or these cave spiders that jump out, they stop being things that you're worried about crashing into, and they start being things that you need to remember where they are so you can use them against the enemies. It's clever, it's clever. There's just a couple of bits that... Finding uh, objects scattered around asteroids is, is seems like such a bizarre choice to me because yeah, yeah. you want to complete a level's objective and get out. It's a it's a you're in a spaceship and because it is through. procedural, you have this thing of often you go down an alleyway and there's nothing there. Yeah, because, which feels which kind like of annoying. Everyone is slapping roguelike on top of everything right now with random level generation and uh, persistent unlocks. But also sometimes that's not a great fit. Mm. Would... It, it didn't sound like it at first because when, when you first started describing it, I was thinking like maybe like three D. Shoot them up. Uh, I think it would be stronger. But this is the first time I've said this. God, maybe the roguelike bubble has popped now. But I think this would be stronger as a normal game. I don't. Th- I, I think there. Nah, I don't know. I think. I think it's. It, I didn't really appreciate. I think the problem is it takes a bit too long to show you everything. Show you what it is. And I wasn't really that fond of it until I got to the point now. Okay. Where um, and it has this thing where you turn a corner and there's three giant mech suits with big shields and swords and rocket launchers, and you just know that if you try and go head to head with them you're dead 
And so, but then you just blast through and just, they're almost as quick yeah. as you. You can barely keep ahead of them, <laughs> but you know that around the next corner there's a bubble full of EMP spores, and you know that if you can just get the EMP to shield, take down their shields, you can turn around and throw a barrage of missiles at them and then shoot them a little bit, and you might just That sounds pretty them. good. Okay, I'm convinced. Next week I'll come back and I'll tell you what I think. And the course. other thing is you have this weird thing that you realise actually, even though it feels like an Asteroids game, it has this weird fighting game vibe, like a 3D fighting game, and the fact that you've got this dodge button, and right. you can press the square at any point, and your ship just sort of like jumps up in the air, and it's basically, it's two things. It's a split second of invincibility. It's like, you know, you're invincible. Sure. But also, if depending on what speed you're going at, you can use it to physically jump over things. So you can just jump over asteroids, jump over enemies, and you have these moments where, for, for some reason, it just all went from being like, oh god, there's so many different types of boost and so many different types of control, to it's suddenly just clicking, and you're having this moment where you like you just you just strafe around firing, and then you just boost headfirst towards an enemy that's about to fire a barrage at you from this large cannon on its ship, and you press the square button and you flip over the ship, and then it's like trying to turn its cannon around because <laughs> because you've just jumped over it whilst you've just spun around and. You have these moments and then you, you flip to your other form and you do something and you, once you get into the language of the game of being able to just quickly flick between those things you feel like it's mm. just boss. <laughs> yeah, it does um, feel very cool. And right now my main problem with it is the fact that the frame rate seems a bit dodgy but if there's apparently a, I thought I had the patch but if there's apparently a patch for that then maybe that's something that's going to be fixed for me. Okay, yeah, alright. Well then you've turned me around in which case people should buy Galaxy. There's still lots of stuff about it which isn't quite right but it's, it's pretty cool. It's actually like I love yeah. how heavily they uh, they push skulls of the shogun in it as well. Yeah, it's, really? got, like, yeah. it's got like little things everywhere. There's a giant decal of a skull on the side of his ship. Nice. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. Should we uh, we'll should we do some questions? Let's do some questions. So first up, we have uh, Luke Summerhays asks a simple question: Have you ever lied and cancelled a romantic liaison liaison to play a game instead? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a yes you romantic, don't have... liaison. Uh, romantic liaison is a strange term yeah I kind of I guess but uh, yeah <laughs> that will be in the darker days a younger more uh, a stupider Chris Brett um, I've, I'm, I'm, someone that still thought World of Warcraft was, was pretty, pretty boss I was taking I, I, the closest I remember is I was playing Dark Souls 2 and mainlining the entire regular features archive which I hadn't heard before <laughs> so yeah regular features is now like the soundtrack of, um, of, of horrible spiders to me now but, um, but there was a house party downstairs and the people who live in my building came up like hey you should come down and I was like yeah maybe maybe I was alone in the flat and I could hear the music and hear the party, and probably it was like four hours of listening to the party and playing Dark Souls until I was finally okay. I'll go downstairs. It was very so you did actually music. go downstairs. Didn't you? I did eventually, yeah. But okay. I was listening to like bass thumping up through my floor for four hours before I went. That doesn't sound terribly romantic. I, I was doing my best with the story. I have to say this quietly because it involves my current girlfriend who's in the flat. But there was one time where I was supposed to be meeting her um, and go around to her house and. Um, I was playing Rayman Origins and I'd just come really close to trying to 100% Rayman Origins and once you've done all of the, the difficult stuff it opens a brand new level which yep. is like the land of the dead oh, and um, I started doing it and it was really hard but not only was it really hard it was really hard and had like hardly any it was just a massive long level with occasional checkpoints and I was on it for an hour and a half and I thought if I leave now, I was going over the weekend. If I leave now, I'm going to switch off my Xbox and I'll lose the checkpoint. Because yeah. yeah. so I, I stayed and did no, it. Don't don't turn around. Yeah. But she's behind. Oh, us. <laughs> she's on the ceiling. <laughs> she's pounced. But, but, I knew this. She's would eating happen. his lungs. Oh my! I like my lungs. 
the thing with WoW was that you could always convince yourself that other people needed you. And you weren't oh, doing it for yourself. They You're were like, enablers. I need, you know, who's gonna who's gonna heal the raid? No one, Chris. <laughs> this guy, you have to heal the raid. <laughs> you guy. said that, then you looked at us with a genuine <laughs> sincerity. <laughs> of, who else is like... gonna do it? <laughs> no one can do it. I need. They need me. And snap back to a darker brat there. Oh god. No, we've all been there. I think I've. I've didn't. I, no, I probably did actually not do something romantic because of it's wow. No. As well. I can't think of any stories. I think I'm a born romantic who's had. Yeah. It's a good way to do it. I think sometimes there are, there are there are things in life more important than getting. <laughs> the thing 100%. is, games will wait for you, whereas uh, raids other, won't. Other humans will raids won't. That is true. Not if you gotta like leave your three sixty on all weekend. I'm not gonna the listen thing is, to right, you guys. You need you, if you're not gonna get the Zola man bear on the next raid unless you turn up and show consistency, right? It's, <laughs> it's a rare drop. There's only ten people in the. In the group. But listen, I can't tell a romantic story without giving a proper ending. Okay, so that was an yes, interesting thing. To say. I got. I got a thousand game points on Rainham Origins. Boom! I did it! I, I did it! I did eventually get the uh, Armani Bear as well, so War Armani Bear, so that was worth it, probably. I had, Beautiful. I, I, I got nothing. You went to a party. I just went to a party. <laughs> I went to a party and had a nice chat with some people. Your story wasn't really relevant, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, you could have just said no. You, you went to a nice party. You went to a party because it was uh, too loud whatever, downstairs. Whatever. I, whatever. That, What's the next question? The I'm going to answer the next question, next whatever question it is. What was, is it? Uh, what was the gaming moment slash experience, good or bad, that drove you to write um, write stuff or make stuff? In oh. terms of like making things up, writing or talking about games. That's weird. The, well, I, can, I can say there was no one game, but I can tell you the first thing I wrote about, not, for, not paid, but for an e-zine, which was when people would email magazines to each other called State, and it was about Project Gotham, so it's topical. But it was a brief article about what's the point in winning unless you look cool doing it, which was was the ethos behind Project Gotham. It's like, yeah, you can win the race, but can you do it without touching the walls, without touching other cars, (laughs) and drifting on every corner? The answer is yes. I think one of the first things I probably did was a a blog um, with a couple of other guys. It was called Terramish. <laughs> Come along with the guy. You made it sound like you you used to have a, a drug racket. <laughs> it was me a and a guys. couple of guys. Up to no good. Up to no good. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was with Andy Hamilton and Sean Bell. Yeah, that's, both, that uh, is that then. Midnight Resistance. <laughs> um, but uh, they, yeah, that, it, it was like a, a blog, but then they weren't really doing anything on it. It was me doing it, and then we just sort of fell apart. But it was called uh, Terramission. Terramission, um, that's a good name. Because I loved um, XCOM. So I think, I can't think exactly what it was, but I think my... My love for XCOM and desire to write about it. The original about XCOM. It. The original, yeah. Although looking at it now, I think if you had a blog called Terror Mission uh, in the current climate, <laughs> you might yeah. have, have trouble with that. Um, but no, I think I, I got into it mainly because I had a massive disdain for most uh, traditional games media. For me... Disdain on it? it? Sorry. Sorry. It was, it, was less, it was less games and more that I just... I, there was a point in my life when I really, really liked YouTube. But oh. in the younger days of YouTube, I um, it's because you're I, young. I used to uh, yeah, I used to subscribe to people and watch, watch like I was into vlogs, all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> I I I was the games stuff was really very new back then. In fact, the the only people really making like consistent games stuff with a, a real audience was like Call of Duty commentaries. If you remember when those were a real thing, I feel like they have fallen off the radar commentaries. hugely. Is that when you commentate? Your game of Call of Duty. Yeah, and that was actually where uh, where a lot of today's YouTube gaming stems wow. from. That Machinima um, used to actually about. Do you know what Machinima means? Yeah, like yeah. They're making like movies within games. Yeah, but yeah. The Machinima is on the network. All comes from uh, like a bunch of successful Call of Duty comment uh, commenters, commentators, commentators that yeah. kind of went into the stuff. But um, yeah, I remember like seeing that and not really think like the, the games that I played weren't being. Uh, 
I, I couldn't find people that were making videos about them, and I just kind of stumbled into it that way. So it was weirdly YouTube that did it, but my the thing I wanted to talk about. And then I games. found your videos yeah. because you'd sent them to us as a job application, and, and I then, thought. I don't like this. I don't care about these games, but I could quite happily sit and listen to this this guy talking for ages. He just had a nice voice. There we are. There's yeah. an interesting oh, really? uh, origin story belonging to uh, Kieran Gillen, who was. Like, oh, right. Kieran's from Stoke on Trent as well. Do you know that? He's from yeah. Staffordshire. Isn't oh, it? Staffordshire. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know why I know that. Uh, but yeah, deputy editor of PC Gamer went on to like found Robbie Shogun with some other guys. Obviously, very talented guy, and mm-hmm. he was an inspiration to me. But he said that he got into games journalism um, with a very different attitude from most games journalists because this was the nineties, and he mostly read a lot of music journalism. Right. And music journalism is interesting because you don't go into music journalism unless you want to be the best. Like, it, this is how he described it to me. Like, with music journalism in the nineties, it's like. You don't go into that being like, oh, I'll do it for a job. It's like, no, I'm going to do it because I can do it better than everyone else. And my opinions are better. I'm going to be smarter and sharper and funnier. Mm-hmm. And he brought that attitude to games journalism in the 90s, which is, which by the sense of things is why he like ended up being enormously successful because it's an interesting kind of attitude to have. Sure. And certainly not one that like I see like a lot of people have I feel like it's, it's there on YouTube. I don't know if it's there. It's in definitely the... not an attitude that I have. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Trick Dempsey asks, uh, this is a question for you, Quinns. Okay. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay. It says, ah! uh, when will we get more Cogswatch? Cogwatch. Cogswatch. Cogswatch. He has actually called it Cogswatch, which is the wrong name. Trick. Uh, will there, and will there be a Cogwatch-like feature for board games? Uh, so Cogwatch was a series they did for RPS, looking at an individual mechanic in an individual game. It took ages capturing footage from video games. It was a pain <laughs> in the ass. Um, I would love to do it. However, I'm doing video work for something else right now, and I think RPS has the rights to Cogwatch. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll ask them really nicely if I can do it elsewhere. But no, I really enjoyed doing Cogwatch. Um, I think it's really interesting to look at an individual mechanic and go, why does it work? Because um, I'm a nerd like that. Like, um, why why is item de- degradation in games so annoying, but why is it really good in the long dark? The one about the, the lift in, in Invisible Ink was... Oh, yeah. Was yeah. I, I think, I think um, although you don't... You don't necessarily do the same thing for board games. I think the way you present both of you present videos in shut up and sit down has a similar kind of yeah. Well, I don't character. think you need to do it in board games because a board game is nothing but like five or six mechanics. Yeah. So re- I think trick. The answer is we're doing it already. But yeah, usually like, a review of a board game, if it's good, is like you going look at this mechanic. It's here amazing. is why it works. At, and then like, if anything, I can do Cogwatch because I've done shut up and sit down for four yeah. years. And you look at individual things in games that people might miss, like sure. uh, like I don't know, loneliness in Sunless Sea, and going. Why is this interesting? Let's look at it like a scientist. <laughs> um, that series of tremendous interest to about 7,000 people and no more. Uh, but that's okay. I love you, 7,000 people. Another question for you, Herquins. What? Um, well, I'm, I'm sending you this one because you were bragging about something similar this morning. Any good veg suggestions for putting in ragu? You, Boom! You, What's you ragu? said you made it's a tomato sauce. Okay. It's an uh, Italian name for tomato sauce. I made a stone cold, <laughs> oh, it, was, it was warm, uh, tomato sauce on Monday. I used fennel. People might have used fennel seeds in cooking, uh, but I... That sounds crazy. Fennel is like a... It looks like kind of like an onion with arms. Like four arms. <laughs> like does. Cr- a cross between an onion and an octopus. But then you cut into it, and it smells like a, a mint. Like a like a spearmint. It's crazy. Anyway, get that. Chop that up. Uh, cook that with sausage meat. Uh, or not, I guess, if you're asking well, vegetables. Well, I, I don't know. Fennel and sausage meat is a really good combination. I, I find it difficult to find what to do with fennel seeds if not sausage. Yeah. Serious issue. Um, I don't know. Yeah, just to cook up some fennel. It's crazy. That stuff is off the hook. I so, yeah, to put down the video guys, games for once in your life. Honestly, <laughs> you made that. Buy a fennel. You both made that sound really cool. 
Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, we I, just I, got, you, you filled me with hope. <laughs> we just got reverse bratted. <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, and uh, Harry, Harry, I can't say a second name. It looks Polish. Apologies. Um, I'm not going to try because I'll make a dick of myself. He wanted to ask Bratz about uh, if you're getting the new WoW expansion. You've already said that. You're going to get yeah. it play it for two weeks? Yeah, at the moment, from what I've seen so far, it will be a two-week thing. However, I'm very keen to to kind of find out more about it. Um, I don't think they did a very good job at Gamescom. In fact, they pissed off a lot of the WoW crowd Fans, yeah. by doing a and a that, that lasted an hour and answered one new question. Which really? Is excellent. Oh, just good job, guys. Yeah, just because people like ask all yeah. stuff. Oh. And people only want details. Come on, it's it's WoW. They don't care about like design decisions. They want freaking features. Yeah. A list of them. How many purples do I get? Yeah, yeah, but I'd, like purples don't matter anymore, do they? No, it's on. probably like turbo <laughs> orange. Well, yeah, look yeah, of genuine disdain on Brad's face. Though. <laughs> no, sorry, come I'm on, sorry. man. Everyone sorry. gets purples. Man. And finally, uh, Joe Duckett asks, "Do you think games have a so bad it's good equivalent?" I'd say definitely. You, does that ask whether or not games have have a, 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 so they can be so can, bad? Good. Can you have games that yeah. are like so bad? They're good. I think I'm the only person who played Deadly Premonition. Everyone was like, "Oh, it's so bad, it's really good," and I played it and went, "No, it's awful." I really like Deadly Premonition. I, I love the bits. I haven't where played it. it. I've only played it briefly, and it was on a live stream, which is not a good place so, to play games. I don't know whether I just I, I value my my time more, but like <laughs> the bits in like Deadly Premonition's car. So what sometimes when you're driving from A to B around the Twin Peaks esque town of Deadly Premonition, and he's talking to himself about movies. Yeah. It's unbelievably good and funny. I love that, yeah. But, like, I, I, I spent two hours getting there. Wasn't worth two hours. Yeah, I, I think that I... You know what I can do with two hours? I can chop the shit out of a fennel. I can make a fabulous <laughs> pasta oh, sauce. Jesus. Jesus. You know what? We're, it we're, looks we're, like an onion with arms. It tastes like a mint. A bit we're, done, we're done with games now. It's just aniseed-based uh, tasting vegetables now. Yes. Uh, but, no, I, I quite like Deadly Premonition. But, but, again, it was that problem. That wasn't one of those so bad it's good because... There were bits of it, like the driving around incredibly slowly was both hilarious and had really interesting, fun dialogue alongside of it, so I didn't mind that. But the combat was just fucking awful. So, But you answered yes and to you this liked question. That, or... You said there's a so bad it's good equivalent in video oh, games. Oh yeah, there definitely is. Um, I'm trying to think what they I are. Think... I've played loads of them. I would, If you do want a so bad it's good drinking game, I would look at uh, Tender Loving Care, which is an FMV game from the 90s starring John Hurt. Mm. Uh, where you play as some kind of creepy ghost watching people. John Hurt's been a bit of a dick this week, hasn't he? Sex? Oh, what do you do? Yeah, he's uh, not a fan of uh, feminism. Feminism. Yeah, I. So I, I kind of think I with, took a wild stab with gays. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I, which is disappointing. But I think um, the bits that I, I think are so bad they're good in video games are the same things that I think uh, the, the same thing in in films. I, I when dialogue is. Is terrible. I'll enjoy it in a video game, but if the gameplay, the stuff that makes games unique, when that's bad, I don't think I've ever no, experienced yeah. that and thought. Well, like Fifty Cent Blood in the Sand. I mean, that is that is a game which has just a competent. I mean, it's like it's a satisfying, like it's got a satisfying gameplay loop, mm-hmm. and the combat is pretty basic. Okay, but it's fun. But then the rest of it is fucking awful. That's but here's big, the thing, though. Here's the thing. I'm I'm big into this. Like the whole thing we've got now of like ironic enjoyment of something. It's not ironic. It's just enjoyment. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. So definitely. 50, thereby, Fifty Cent Blood in the Sand. It's not even a bad game. It's a good game. It has cutscenes that make you laugh and a strong comedy. But it has elements of it which are so bad. I mean, they're, they're clearly because the thing about that is it's not a comedy game because they had the actual G unit coming in recording lines for them, so you can play as any one of the G unit backing up Fiddy. Who's in the G unit? I t- just all the, just a lot, a lot of people, a lot of, people, a lot of okay. genius. But they're like, "Hey, Fiddy, I got your back, Fiddy," because none of them are voice actors, <laughs> and so that's not like. Oh, I mean, it is basically. That it's impression bad. was awesome. That's exactly what it's like. 
Hey, Feddy man, yeah, that bitch took my skull. Oh, See, that is that is so that's bad. The that good. That's the like, game. That's literally that a line. Yeah. Um, I okay, but but that's not even the game. That's that's a so bad. It's a good cutscene in a strong game. Yeah, but then we're getting to the point of being like, well, it's yeah. like it's only. I'm right, Matthew. And <laughs> 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 on that note, <laughs> I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to wrap up the podcast. Bastard. Oh no, wait, you call me a Nazi. You wrap up the podcast. This is what it's going to be like. New town, new rules. No, what I'm going to do? We've got to announce the winners of last week's contest. Absolutely, yeah. So the winners of it's uh, a month of uh, heavy amounts of well-being. Yeah, and uh, I've got the I've got the the envelope here. It was it was James video games. James video games. And if Is you that, wow, yeah, no, okay. that that's a did yeah, you pick the, that that look, look here. We see? put down the okay. the thing you saw you saw oh, it from that out. giant plastic thing. No, you, you we're still standing up. What? Okay, well, sorry, Karen. Here, here's the thing. How, how did James win this great reward, you ask? He won it by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Yeah, it's a oh. fantastic thing. And uh, next week's competition, oh, no. this week's competition, oh, you leave me. a five-star review. Oh, God. You write a review to have to write anything. You'll be entered into the competition this year to win... A what? What is it? An ethereal bathrobe. Oh, my God. It's a bathrobe made of actual ghosts. It's- I feel bad that I'm part of this. This is awful. You're not part of it. These are not real praises. Yeah, you're, you're, you're cheating them. You're cheating. These are lies. You're in the podcast. I'm going to kill it. <laughs> okay, you go kill him. Thank you so much for listening to Daft Souls, everybody. Rate and review us on iTunes. Bye.